This podcast is part of the Pod Syndicate family. For more criminally compelling shows, articles, and conversations, head to wearepodsyndicate.com. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. I'm ready to party! Good morning, Vietnam! Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Magic myth on the wall. Who is the fairest one of all? Yeah. Well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. What was your favourite thing about going back to school? Stationery. New pencils, new pens, new pencil case. Yeah, loved it. I'm I'm just obsessive about, like, new notebooks. Oh, I love a good notebook. TK Maxx do the best notebooks. (laughs) They really do. They're so good. But yes, um... We are back once again. Welcome to His Film, Her Movie. Is it really bad that I wanted to go with the Renegade Master? <laughs> <laughs> you are showing your age, though. <laughs> I'm only 26, it's fine. Yes. <laughs> Closer to 36. <laughs> Unfortunate. <laughs> Sorry, I will, I will let you get on with the intro. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are His Film, Her Movie. We're a movie podcast that takes a theme or situation each week, both picks a film, and then discuss it. Yes, we are. And for the, over the last week, say last week we did eat out, eat out, help out because of that scheme was finishing in the UK. In the UK, and well, this week in England, schools went back. All schools went back today. All schools went back today. Yeah, I saw All loads of loads of people when I was out um, in the morning getting getting ready for school. So. Yeah, it seems like a bit, bit of normality returning to the world. I think from like the friends I know who've got kids, they're just happy that they're out of the house. Mm. Um, it's been because of course, like we went into lockdown, what mid March. They've been off school for a long time. Yeah, there's only so many rainy day activities you can do in Cumbria before you run out and you just kick them outside in the rain. <laughs> So yeah, we thought we'd take that back to school theme and run with it. So we've both picked a film which has a school as a major part yes. of um, the overall picture. So what did you choose this week? I picked the um, 1986 John Hughes classic, Pretty in Pink. Yes. Well, John Hughes written, he didn't actually direct this one. He did. He didn't? He didn't. No. Oh, well, that happened whilst I was too busy. Sorry, uh, it was Howard uh, Dutch who directed it. Yeah, um, but it's... And, and, and it's I, still a John Hughes It's it, it still classed as a John Hughes movie. Yes. Well, see, he did, John Hughes didn't direct Ferris Bueller's either. No, but he's still John Hughes. Yeah. But, and I chose William Wyler's 1961 film, The Children's Hour, starring Audrey Hepburn, Shirley MacLaine, uh, Miriam Hopkins, James Garner, to name a few... Mm-hmm. And yeah, we don't really have that much housekeeping, do we? No housekeeping. No housekeeping. So we might as well just get right into the show. Which one do you want to do first? Should we do mine first? Cool. We'll do mine. So, uh, what's the deal? Are you going out this weekend? I don't know. I'm not sure yet. Mm-hmm. Why? What are you going to do? 
stay at home. Yeah, you gonna study again? Probably. <laughs> Would you put that out? <laughs> well, you study so much, it makes me ill. I just don't see the point. You don't? Mm-mm. I don't want to work in a record store my whole life. Yeah? What do you want to be, a doctor? Oh, God. Okay, let's go, everybody. Get your lines, please. Thank you. Bullmeister? Yeah. Bissette? Pisano? Gulong? Morkland? Jack. Jeans? Hey, Benny. Fox? Penfield? Just shrivel up and fall off, okay? What was that, Miss Holman? Um, <clears throat> I said I hope they shrivel up and fall off. You hope what shrivels up and falls off? Her breasts, Miss Deeds. <laughs> Shut up. You are out of here, Homan. Okay, so, full disclosure, I hadn't watched this film, mm. which I told you. I hadn't watched it before um, we before I decided on it. It was one of my ones where I'd seen bits of it, but I hadn't seen it all the way through, and I thought yeah. it would be quite nice. It's like it's a film I think most people either seen or have heard of. Or... It's it's one of those films again where I think you kind of even see through osmosis. Yes. you know what I mean. You just see bits and parts of it, then you kind of you think you've seen it anyhow because it's been parodied in everything from like The Simpsons to Not Another Teen Movie and yeah, yeah, it's it's that. So um, for those of you who have not seen it, um, basically the film is. About Andy, who is played by Molly Ringwald, um, who is quite poor. She goes to um, a school where there's a lot of rich kids and she needs to choose between either the rich guy that she fancies or the poorer guy who is madly in love with her, who's also her childhood friend. Mm. So um, the cast really... Like, Molly Ringwald is synonymous with 80s films. Synonymous with John Hughes. She is. So, it's her, it's uh, John Cryer, um, who plays Ducky, her yeah. uh, madly in love best friend. Um, it's also got um, Andrew McCarthy, who plays Blaine, who's her love interest, as well as um, Annie Potts, Jeff and Jeff Spader, just to name but a few. James Spader. James Spader. Why can't I talk today? <laughs> just sounds so stupid. Uh, so really, this whole film, it, it's, it is a very girly film. But um, I think it's got a nice enough story behind it, so that way everybody can kind of get behind it. Um really with this uh it's got a lot within the school which i think when you watch it at the teen age that you are it's sort of directed towards um it makes you feel like clicks and everything are much more important than what they actually are when you get to school because i remember watching all these 80 films before going to secondary school and being like oh, what clique will I be in? And then getting there and then realising there really isn't? Or there wasn't in my school? Was yeah, there I mean, like I mean, that there, I mean there, is, there is cliques and there is sort of friends group and they are sort of... Yeah, there's friends groups and the bro- like the preppies and the rich kids and then the mean girls. G- and- generally for us, it was, it was 
music, you know what I mean? It was like, yes. if you like a certain kind of music, you know, you, you hung about with different kinds of kids. But see, I didn't get that until we were older. I uh, see, we, we were year seven, year eight, so we were like 13, 14 when those sort of clicks happened. We basically had the people who smoked and the people who didn't. But again, yeah. That was it. <laughs> Um, but like, what, what, what do you, what do you think of this film? See, I, Pretty in Pink is a cute movie. Yes. It, it is cute. And you've got Molly Ringwald, who is just in her prime of that very approachable, very... Crafty. Yeah, but it's, it's sort of like... She feels kind of authentic. She, she's yeah. like a microcosm of all your feelings through through high school. Mm-hmm. Of not feeling very included, not feeling like part of society in a way. Mm-hmm. But I always find that the message feels very muddled. Yeah. Um, in it. Yeah. And like, for example, let's take Ducky mm-hmm. as a character. Now, I wrote him as being um, original hipster. Very much so, but it's, do we like Ducky or do we not like Ducky? Uh, my but, first thing was, the original hipster is creepy. But that's it, and the thing is, I think if you watch it in a certain um, way, that he, he he seems charming and he seems funny, and we when we watch it, I have the feeling that the filmmakers want us to see ourselves in Ducky. Mm-hmm. But he does so much weird stuff. Like, he's very stalkerish. He's yeah. very intense. And, yeah. like, in today's society, if he was in a film, you'd see creepy. him as a... Yeah, you'd see him as a as a predator, in a way. Yeah. yeah. Whereas back there, it, I think he was, like, advertised as being charming and being that... Oh, quirky it's side sidekick fun and you know comes out with crazy things and, and, and that's it and don't get me wrong John Cryer in the in the performance is brilliant oh he's great I, I he's do like so it. much energy and parts of it I mean he does kind of have all the best moments and all mm-hmm. the best dialogue mm-hmm. but his actions are questionable mm-hmm. so that's one that's muddled and the other one is that yeah, it's it's what is the message? Is the message that everyone is just judgmental assholes? Like yeah. it doesn't matter if you're poor, then if you're poor, then the rich people will judge you, and if you're rich, the poor people will judge you. Mm-hmm. There doesn't seem to be any in between on it, and it's either like, yeah, is it that everybody is judgmental, or is it saying that if two people like each other? The rest is just white noise. Yeah. Which, the thing is, I felt like Andy, Molly Ringwald, is the only true person. Hmm. Everybody else is very extreme. Yeah. Like James Spader, who plays Steph, is the yuppie arse, basically. Yeah. Um, His girlfriend is nasty and rich. Um, Blaine comes across as like a really nice guy, but... Forces her to go to a party that she says, I don't want to go to. He knows that these are people who actively bully her every day and he makes her go. Ducky just tries so, so hard. Um, And it does, it comes off creepy at, at times. Like his first 
minute, two minutes that he was on screen, he asks two girls if um they would like to be pregnant by Christmas. Yeah. And he's like, uh, no. But, that, but that's it. But I think he's played for laughs and he's played, I think, as, like, generally at the end of the film, that choice, I believe, has is meant to have some weight of who is she going to choose because mm-hmm. there is even not one point within that movie where she ever looks at Ducky in a way of a, a, a romantic way. And I think that the message through that was good because there was no point in her ever ending up with him because she had, like you said, she's never given any indication that she liked him. Mm. There's no point then, you know, filling friend zone guys or girls with hope because nine times out of ten it's not going to end well and I think it's good that she didn't but then she still picked the guy who treated her like dirt yeah and that's why I found I always found like you get given this decision at the end and as an audience member Mm -hmm. I'm just like well neither yeah but I think it's I think if you made the film now she would go actually no, mm. I'm good. I don't need your drama. I don't need you falling out with me, Ducky, because you fancy me. Yet he fell out with her. Yet he never actually told her mm. that he liked her. He never broached the subject because he was too scared to do it. I, I, yeah, I understand that, but she knows. She knows, but at the same time, you can always assume incorrectly. Yeah. Unless somebody's open and honest, you can never be 100% sure so she carried on treating him exactly the way that she always has and she's never she never broached it with him because he was embarrassed and because she felt that he needs to mature to be able to sort of say it. Um, but yeah, I just felt like she would have worked out better for her just to say, no, I'm good. Yeah. And that's it. And I think you've got certain aspects of the film which even work better than the will they, won't they? Because, for for example, with Blaine and... Um, oh God, what's her name? Which one? Um, Molly Lundwald. Andy. Andy. I, I never... There's no chemistry there either. No. It's there's, 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 You don't look at them and think, oh, do you know what? Those are playing off each other really well. But like all I'm There's saying about here is negative, but I kind of like this movie. Okay. Do you know what I like about this movie? Annie Potts. Yes. Love her. All the way through it, thought, I want that dress. I like that. That looks cool. Thought it was great. Up until the end. Mm. And then they buggered up her character so badly. They Ali Sheedy'd her. They what her? Ali Sheedy'd. Who it's the like hell's Ali Sheedy. Ali Sheedy is um, in the Breakfast Club. Yes, she's a misfit, and they yes make her up. I make to, her look normal. Uh, well, not even that. She, they, they take out her entire character. Yeah, and dress her up looking terrible. But no, but then this and, one, it, like that that one, right? It's kids, and they're well, they're meant to be teenagers, and they're playing, and they're doing this. This is a grown ass hmm. woman. She falls in love. And she starts dressing like any 80s woman down the street. Yeah. And she looked a million times better. And that's what I said. Is it the message? Is what, what message are they trying to say? It's like she had loads of personality. She had all her own sort of style and things like that where yeah. she meets a man and then she just changes. She just changes her whole 
whole thing. And you can see that, I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm a big John Hughes fan, but you can see how a man wrote this. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. But, loved her. But that's it. Thought but, that she was great. And that's it. And there's the also something like, when you've got Harry Dean Stanton, who played Andy's dad. Yes. Like, Harry Dean Stanton is one of the American great character actors. And mm-hmm. it, it's when you put him in a film like this, he, he kind of just classes up to joint. And not only does he do that, he just... Any time he's on screen, he has a bit. He has a bit more gravitas. Mm-hmm. But and, and that's it. So I like having that him in there because he just brings a bit more, a bit more to it. But yeah, it's a, it's a weird movie. It's a weird. When I watch it, I enjoy it. I like the costumes. I like the oh, feeling. I love the fashion. great soundtrack. Yeah, I'm really considering buying some glasses like hers because <laughs> I loved them all the way through. I just thought they are brilliant. Um. Yeah, I loved I loved all the crazy fashion. Um, I kind of love eighties mix match fashion. Mm-hmm. I just think it looks so much more fun, and I love the fact that you can just look at a, a still from this film and be like, "That is an eighties film." Yeah, and I think as you move into like the late nineties, early noughties, you can then say, you know, this is like around this sort of time, but you can never be 100% certain. But you could get any 80s film and be like, that's definitely from the 80s. Yeah. And I love it. It's like a little calling card. Yeah, it's it's very bold with everything that it's doing. Yeah, and I, I do. I really kind of love that. Um, Really, do you know what? I'm pleased I've watched the film. I have obviously waited, you know, 32 years to watch this. And it was a nice film. I liked it. Um, there was problematic characters. Would I watch it again? Yes. Um, would I mainly watch it for um Annie for Annie Potts? Yes. To be honest, the thing that I love most about about this film is just one scene, and that is the um Otis Redding trying to attend in a scene. Oh, it's Otis Redding! It's I love Otis Redding. That's it. But again, it's, that, that scene just works, and that is. That's where that character is charming and, and odd and nice to watch. Because mm-hmm. he's just being like sort of off kilter. But then it's everything else. It's like when you watch it young, Ducky is so different than when you watch it old. Yeah. I loved his shoes though. Yes, his shoes were good. I, in fact, yeah, because I have like his little, what's the little neck thing? Um, I don't know. It has like, it was like a little. It's like a cowboy thing, isn't little it? little cowboy sort of like thing. Quite like that. It's a neck, necktie, I think. I don't neck, know. It's a necktie thing. Basically, we're going to be getting a lot of eBay things <laughs> coming through because of this film. Um, I have got some good trivia, though. Cool. Um, so the school that it was filmed in is based in Los Angeles. And for anybody who may think it looks familiar, it's because it's the same school that they filmed Grease in. Oh. So, yeah. Um, you know how uh, I was very annoyed at... Molly Ringwald cutting up the beautiful 1950s prom dress. Mm-hmm. Um, yet she actually hated the prom dress that she ended up having to wear. And to that I say, serves you right for cutting up that beautiful dress. And then the other thing that I really liked was um, in the bit where Ducky gets pushed into the girl's bathroom and he's like, you have doors and you have this. And then he says about how this isn't fair. You've got a candy machine on the wall. Apparently the candy machine line he just made up on the spot and they <laughs> thought it was funny and they kept it in. 
But what they didn't point out was that in every girl's bathroom, there is a full sofa and everything else was just to sit there and take our time. And that's why we <laughs> all go in in groups. <laughs> but yeah, it's, yeah it's, a, it's a strange one. It's a film that I like, but I can just point out how what, what's wrong with it at the same time. It's Yeah. Yeah. But no, um, should we move on to mine? We'll move on to your film, The Children's Hour. Are you a craft beer junkie? Do you eagerly anticipate the freshest IPA release from your local craft brewer? Do you check in every beer you've ever had on Untapped? Do you know the difference between a Belgian triple and a Berliner Weisse? Then do we have a podcast for you. What's Untapped podcast gives you beer reviews, interviews with brewers, behind the scenes, access to beer festivals, games, and more. Whether you're a craft beer junkie or new to the world of craft brewing, What's Untapped podcast is something for you. Check us out online, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, and now we are podsyndicate.com. And as always, keep drinking, you dum dums. Oh, I should have known by this time that the wise thing to do is to stay out of your way when he's in the house. When who's in the house? Don't think you're fooling me, young lady. Any day that he's in the house is a bad day. Now look. Let's give it up. I'm tired. I've been working since 6 o'clock this morning. I know what I know. You can't stand them being together and you're taking it out on me. Well, God knows what you'll do when they marry. Jealous, jealous. Aunt Lily. You've always had a jealous, possessive nature, even as a child. If you had a friend, you'd be upset if she liked anybody else. And that's what's happening now. And it's unnatural. It's just as unnatural as it can be. The sooner you get out of here, the better. You are making me sick. And I won't stand for you any longer. I want you to leave tomorrow. No delays. Yeah, The Children's Hour. Like I said at the intro, 1961 film by William Wyler. Um, it takes place in this private girls' school. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got Audrey Hepburn, who plays Karen, and Shirley MacLaine, who plays Martha, who mm-hmm. run the school. And with the help of Martha's aunt, Aunt Lily... Yeah. And well what happens is there is a student there who is troublesome. I'm Mary. trying to Mary, yeah. So I've wrote, down, I've wrote down many comments about Mary. <laughs> yes, yeah, so she is a bit of a, a bit of a brat. And she doesn't <laughs> get on with uh, the two to the two ladies. She always does something and gets punished. Mm-hmm. She they overhear a conversation um that Lily is having with Martha, and then she tells her grandmother something that basically said that it' a lie that they then that the children saw Karen and Martha, yeah, um, as lovers. And as I said, this is adapted from a, a play in the thirties. Mm-hmm. It was actually made into a film again in the thirties. By William Wyler. Oh, really? So he made it twice. Now, the reason I think why he's done that is in the 30s, in the 30s, which is he's not called The Children's Hour, The Please, mm-hmm. but he adapted it in, the, in I think, 1937. And it was called These Three. Okay. Where it was the same setup with the school and everything like that. Mm-hmm. But obviously, you cannot make a film about homosexuality in the 30s. Yes. So the controversy was that one of the ladies was having an affair with 
the male character, the James Garner character. Oh, okay. And that was caused the uproar. Now, even now in the, in the 60s, again, I know we spoke about it uh, a bit, but we're still in the Hayes Code era. Yeah, this is why I was very surprised at the whole subject of this film. I thought it was very ahead of its time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, so basically, I said, go back to the plot is they get told this rumour that these two are lovers. Again, given the time, all the parents find out, take all their kids away from them, and mm-hmm. then they're sort of left with nothing. And, yeah, this is... I mean, William Wyler had one hell of a career. He made films from the 30s till, I think, that like even like to the, to the 90s. Okay. So he had this long, celebrated career um, with many greats in there, but this is for me one of the gems of them um, mm-hmm. it is again says so ahead of its time with its subject with its, yeah. the way it breaches something i mean yes there are limitations and it does have criticisms for its limitations as in you never hear the word gay homosexual no anything like that um and it's everything is always hinted to mm-hmm. but it is so incredibly engaging and watching like watchable mm-hmm. like you've got Audrey Hepburn and Shirley MacLaine d- delivering in, like such like powerhouse performances and it's not not in, in a big sense but they're very subdued they explode when they need to explode but it's it's more this silent unknown of what why this is happening I don't even think it's that I think they play it with in such a way that more is said and more is shown by them just being in shock and Mm. just not understanding. Like when they just stand there and they're just like, we have no idea. You can see there's like a flurry of emotions that go over their faces, the panic, the the upset, the hurt, everything else Mm. that kind of goes with it. Where, whereas it's not like, over the top it is more of like how you maybe expect somebody to actually act yeah and i mean i do i love a good melodrama mm-hmm. um, and i love how it plays off the how a silly child's rumor can mm-hmm. bleed into and ruin somebody's i mean adult real life i'm using quotation marks there yeah it's like not really understanding what's happening because I don't think Mary fully understands what she's done. No. I think she's understood. She understands that she means to hurt them, mm-hmm. but I don't think she understands what she's actually doing. Yeah. However, she is a demon child, and she needs to be exercised. <laughs> that is possibly the harshest you've ever been about a child. I'm usually the harsher one. But but it's one of those things. It's it's unless it's kids on kids. As yeah. in, like a, a, a kids' movie, and you've got a villain of the piece. But generally, when you've got an adult story, how this little child is the villain of it. I mean, yes, you've got uh, Mrs. Tilford, her grandmother, who acts in certain ways, but she is the antagonist. And it's like, how much yeah. hatred do you have to a child in a story of adults? I mean, what did oh, you think yeah. about it? I really enjoyed it. Like to begin with, um, I wasn't a massive fan of Dr. Carden. Mm-hmm. 
I really didn't like him. I felt that he was very pushy and everything. Um, and that he was like, oh, you're a woman and now you should marry me, blah, 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 blah. When Karen, Audrey Hepburn, was very much like, I want to build up my career. Mm. You should support me. Um, but um, towards the end, I really liked him. Really liked him. I thought, you know, he went through a lot. And um, I know, I don't want to say spoiler alert. The film's from the 60s. Yeah, it's 59 years old. So, um, like, in the end, Karen does push him away. Mm. um, And she keeps him at arm's length, which she feels is protection for both of them. But he was willing to take them both away for them all to start over afresh. I think that is... That, that makes he's a good person. You can see how much they're hurting. Oh, yeah. And wants to help them and stood up against... Because it's... The, the grandma in the piece is his aunt. Yeah. Um, And he stands up to her. He knows exactly what a deceitful little monster Mary mm. is. Um, But it was just like... Because I think as well with... um, Like James Garner's character is... Because we try at the beginning, we see him through Martha's eyes. Because yeah. obviously, and again, it spoils for for a fifty nine year old movie. But the heartbreaking thing about Martha is that Martha is does have feelings for Karen. Karen, yeah, and we know that from the start. Really, yeah. you can read it in her body language. You can read with just the way she acts towards mm-hmm. um, uh, James Garner, and. Yeah, you you read between the lines there, and you can see that she's treating him a certain way. That you're on her side, but then you realise the the complexity of it all. There's not really a side to take no. apart from Mary is a devil child, and you know should grow up alone. <laughs> but, I just I felt like I felt like I felt really bad. There's the other little girl in it, Rosalie, who blatantly has like some sort of klepto. Like things, she's like stealing things and hiding them. But at the same time, she's a young girl who's been sent away to boarding school. That could be you never really find out why these these girls are sent away to boarding school. It's obviously, you know, it's a good school, they can learn, but having that separation from your family at a young age can bring out things like that because it's a case of you don't want people to leave you, mm. so you end up getting things. To make you feel better. She's like, well, at least I can hold on to these. And it's obvious that that is something that she's maybe kind of dealing with. And she's very, very afraid of being found out. And when Mary does find her out and then blackmails her. Yeah. And it's just like, you can see that she's not a bad girl. She's obviously gone through some stuff. This is Rosalie, by the way. Mary's awful. Uh, Rosie's obviously going through some stuff which is making her act out this way and but she's terrified of going to the police she's terrified of being sent away to a school for bad girls and she just wants she, she obviously likes Martha and she likes Karen and she likes the school and you just think this I honestly think if this whole thing with Mary hadn't happened then they would have noticed what was happening with Rosalie and she would have been supported, and then she wouldn't have then been been able to be blackmailed mm. because she would have had the support, and then people would have understood what was happening, and it wouldn't have gone down that sort of line. 
because it's kind of looked at when the young girl Helen is like, I can't find my bracelet. I can't do it. And it's like in the first like 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah. So it is kind of hinted at like, oh, why, why is she saying that? That's, that's going to come up soon in it. And, and when it does, you're like, okay, right. I can kind of see why. Um, but yeah, I just, I found it a really lovely and moving film. Yeah, and I think it does have those elements of it of like, you're looking through a prism of nowadays and looking like how that, even back when it was made, and say it was divorced from a play from the 30s, but even even in the 60s, mm-hmm. there is like, you could see that happening. Oh, yeah. If, if that sort of got out and that, that would have sort of evolved in that way or devolved really in that mm-hmm. way. And I think as well, I think a fact is... It was the first ever, maybe in America movies, the first ever coming out scene. Oh, really? Um, although she technically does come out, but doesn't come out. And I think a lot of being said about that scene because she seems disgusted by herself. And she seems very much like it is a punishment. It's it, what she's feeling is wrong and things like that, where even though, especially at the time, she's feeling that these feelings that she's having is ruining the lives around her. And so she that character would feel that guilt. Yeah, and I understood that. I never... I can understand why some people would see it like that and be like, oh, they're saying coming out and it's bad and they're showing it in a negative light. Mm. But the circumstances in where she's had to come out have been so incredibly bad where um, the threat of losing your home, losing your livelihood, losing friends and standing in the community... That's happened. And not only in this community, but she's then been pretty much forced out across the whole of America because it's been in all the national newspapers because they did take them to court for... um, Libel. For libel. So... That's what I love about the film as well because when you see that and when she's saying you get a libel court because they go and... um, basically ask Mrs. Tillman uh, why, why she's doing this and they find out that it was Mary and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And they say, you want to get a libel course? Yeah. And then the film jumps. Yeah, no, I kind of wanted to see. But it, it jumps th- three weeks and you find out that they lost. Yeah. And you find out that they lost by one of, yeah, what Mary does, what Mary does is horrendous. Mm-hmm. But what, Aunt Lily does. Oh, that woman is just monstrous. And seeing that, I mean, again, another thing is like, that's Miriam Hopkins, and Miriam Hopkins is one of my favorites. But she actually played the Martha character in these three in like nineteen. Oh, really? Okay. So like she she came back and did that, but you you, you find out that um, the Aunt Lily got summons, and she ignored and she them. she didn't come, and that was part of the reason why they lost, and they're in this situation. She said that. Um, Staying in the theatre was more important yeah. than The curtain fighting. needs to go up. Yeah. The it curtain. Is. And it was just like, this is your niece who has given you a home and a job and you have... At the time, we you think like she spread lies by saying that her fancying um, Martha is unnatural because that's what she originally says. Yes. And then... The, and then Mary turns it into that they saw them kissing. Um, 
but you just feel like she had no proof of that. They've, she, they've, it's never been acted upon. They've never acted inappropriately in front of children or anything like that. And when I say inappropriately, I just mean in a sexual manner yes. in front of children. They've never been anything more than friends. Hmm. And the fact that Aunt Lily then was like, oh, the curtain must go up and my my dedication to the theatre is more important. You just think, you are scum. But that's the thing is, I don't even think when she does use your natural word in the beginning, she, that's what she's meaning. No, I don't think that's what she's meaning either. And that's even, like, it's like she could have came and denied whatever it was because, and that is like the heartbreaking part of it, mm-hmm. is because it's bringing all these feelings up in Martha and then she's feeling guilty because of those feelings and when that does finally explode and, and, and things happen. And again, it's like stylistically... Like, it's shot beautifully. I mean, mm-hmm. gorgeous black and white photography. And it has, because of this school, it's kind of got this gothic nature about it. And, yeah. And even part, even some scenes, even some shots play out like a horror film and the score does. Because you've got the scene where Mary's sort of on the landing and um, she's watching Karen and Audrey Hepburn come out of Martha's room. And oh, yeah. she's in the foreground and um, Audrey Hepburn's in the... In, in the background it's just that use of focus is brilliant and you mm-hmm. see it again when mrs tillman comes to apologize yeah but just stuff like that but again and we won't spot this part but one of it has one of the best penultimate scenes oh, how it's shot how it's yeah. edited how the, the score goes and it just there's one shot which is just a face, which is utterly, it's it just heartbreaking. Just the the absolute class that is Audrey Hepburn. But that's it, and Audrey Hepburn. As I, mean, I said to you in the, whilst watching the film, it's she is the definition of a movie star. She is. She just has it all. She's got the looks, the the the, the talent. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it just I don't know if it. It could be just the jawline. Like, the, her jawline is... Like, it, it could cut paper. It's... She is. It's... I don't know. But I then... You get that from a male perspective, from a female perspective. Like, again, I loved everything that she wore in this. Mm. And it is the most simple, like, low heels, long dresses, long skirts... Everything that she wears, she just makes it look effortlessly classy mm. and put together. And she's like that in like all of her films. And I'm just always just so jealous. The one thing I remember in one of that final scene is her coat was amazing. It was. Um, but yeah, it's it's such a interesting film. And mm-hmm. um, it's... It, it's like as well as you've got this thing about so there was films during this time where you, where you're playing on the, this this metaphor of, I mean in the in the early fifties the mid fifties you had, um Joseph McCarthy and his communist witch hunt mm-hmm. and how people turn on each what each other for rumors and this is very much playing into that as well. I mean yes it is talking about homosexuality, yeah, but you definitely have that one word and. An entire world collapses. Yes. Just because somebody said something that could be incorrect. Mm-hmm. 
and is incorrect. Mm-hmm. But because of somebody said it, it becomes. And there's so many different interpretations. Yeah. So I mean that that that, that angle um, for, for, for like the McCarthyism is very much there, but it, it, it's. It's just good entertainment. It is. It's a really good film. And I'd never seen it before. And when you said it was the children's hour and then it started, it honestly, it looks a little bit like an American version of Madeline. Mm. And that's what I thought it was going to be going down. I was a little bit like, why is Jordan picked this film? Yeah. But I was very pleased with it. I really liked it. I would definitely watch that again. Yeah. Definitely. No, definitely. And I think it's one of those which, which isn't spoken to of that much like anymore. No. Like nobody talks about how good this movie is. And I don't know, it does have some of its issues with, again, talking of talking about like how it's representative representative of um coming out yeah. and of being gay. But, but it's again, also coming I think out it, under a hugely stressful time. Absolutely. And who's to say that if that hadn't happened, then she would have came to it in a more I don't want to say more natural sort of way. I feel like it was very pushed upon her. And so then feelings would have been heightened and everything sort of came out. Whereas she probably then would have just came to it at her own. Mm. And then it could have been... Because there's there's parts of it... Just before we finish, there's one bit that Audrey Hepburn said. And she said something. She was like... I'm sure there are other women out there like this and they lead perfectly nice lives. And I was very taken aback by that because I didn't expect that. Because I was basically her saying there are going to be other lesbians out there and they still live very good lives. But she was basically saying that they are nice people. They, you know, there wasn't any prejudice in what she said. And even when... Um, Martha professed her love to her she never shunted her away she never rejected her she still supported and she still loved her but like a friend Mm. and I thought yes there is the coming out scene which is problematic but there is the other side of it there is the side of where the the straight person who would normally then react badly to someone coming out reacts in a very understanding yeah and I, th- way. I, I think I th- it's one of those things where she, I mean, she's like oh she's coming out but, the, but she, she's oh you're just tired and stressed but she is very tired yeah. and stressed they they've gone through a lot and i know she's saying yeah you know you're just tired and stressed and it's just the situation yeah but at the same time she's not she's well, we, we, because we know that it's not because we've seen the actions going up to that that we knew this moment yeah. was coming and it's just how obviously Audrey Hepburn didn't know about any of it. No. So it, it, it's a shock, and it's sort of like you've had this friend for. By the sounds uh, of like ten years yeah, or something. And then you get that you do you, you sort of try and take heed of the situation, but it's like one of the words that one of the my favorite things is when Aunt Lily says to Martha, "God will punish you." And she comes back with, he's doing an all right job. And it's just like, <laughs> oh, it's painful. But yeah, I mean, that, the, the final scene with Martha as well is just, because there's just, there's just something in her eyes. It's yeah. very, um, it's very hard to take. Mm-hmm. But no, it's a film that does not get the amount of love I think it deserves. No, you should definitely get more love. Definitely. Mm. Brilliant. Anything else? No. 
I'm good, apart from Mary is awful. Mary is awful. She is. I think that's where we should end it. Yes. So yeah, that is another episode of His Film, Her Movie. Yes. As always, go over to wearepodsyndicate.com, check out all the other shows, check our Instas, our Facebooks, our everything that we've got. Yes. And stay classy. Stay classy. What would Audrey do? What would Audrey do? Eat a Cornetto. She was in a Cornetto advert, wasn't she? Or was it Magnum? Um, I think it was Magnum and then it was Galaxy. Go eat some chocolate. It was, I think it was Galaxy, but it's actually not even her because she was, she'd be dead for like 20 years. Go eat Galaxy and um, croissants. Yes. Nice. Let's end it there. Yeah.